our text starts with a few proverbs about words, about the words that we use. And the Bible has a lot to say about our words, right? Like I said, from the wisdom literature, um, but even through to the New Testament, really all throughout the Bible. In, in the Gospels, Jesus has a lot to say about the words that come out of our mouth. Um, the letters to the churches has a lot to say about it. He speaks often about, about the words that we say, and I kind of thought this week, why is that? Like, why is this such a recurring topic for us? Um, and I think one of the reasons is that our words have power, right? We have the power to build up, the power to destroy. Um, and as we think about that, I'll pepper in some verses um, from the book of Proverbs as we consider how to be wise with our words. So let's start here in verse 12. It says this, it says, The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Now I'm reading today from the ESV, um, but you'll notice if you're in another translation that most other translations choose to translate this as something like this, like the NASB um, says, words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious. And the idea here is that the words from a wise person are actually a benefit to others. They actually give grace to those who hear them. When a wise person opens their mouth, it's good. It's helpful. They consider others before they speak. They're careful with the words that they choose. And not only that, but they consider the Lord as well, right? How would God have me respond? Or what would Christ say in this situation? So they speak gently, but not without truth, right? Now we're pretty good at doing one or the other, right? The scriptures tell us to speak the truth in love. And I'm, I'm pretty good at speaking in love if love kind of means nice. Like, I'm not great at it, if you know me, but, like, I'm decent at it. Um, I'm getting better. I lived in Minnesota for years. It was, like, Minnesota nice. Like, it helped a little, but not a lot. You know, like, I'm still working on that one. Um, so if love looks like kind of ignoring what's wrong and just being kind of nice, I'm okay at that. But I'm really good at speaking truth without love. Um, I don't know if I could call it a gift, but just it's that level, right? Just dropping like truth bombs on people is like a hobby. You know, it's like, let me drop some truth on you. Um, I don't like it when people do it to me. But, but speaking truth in love, like together, um, graciously, not as, not as good at that. Um, but here it says that the words from the mouth of a wise person are gracious. This careful and considerate way of speaking truth and love with others has an effect on the people around them, right? Can you think of someone in your life who is like this, that you would say is wise with their words? Um, I can think of a few. People who, when they speak, bless the person they're speaking to. You know, you look forward to hearing from them. Um, if you're considering something in your life, you, you want to hear what they have to say about it. You want to hear their counsel. The way they speak makes you want to be around them and just hear what they have to say. So at the same time, the words of the wise are both gracious and win them favor. In Proverbs 16.24, it says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So the words of the wise are sweet and gracious. 
But the lips of a fool, says the preacher, consume him. So in contrast with the wise whose words are filled with benefits to others, right? The words or lips of a fool provide no benefit to others and instead consume even themselves. Words can build up or they can destroy, right? And there are many ways, I think, that our words can consume us. Our words can bring us shame or regret. I'm sure we've all experienced that. I have a little game I play at night where I'm laying in bed and I think of all the dumb stuff I said that day and I just like, sometimes I'm writing texts in the middle of the night like, hey, remember when I said this? The like, no. I'm like, well, I did. It was dumb. I'm sorry. Um, happens a lot for me. I don't know why they picked me for this section, but um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. So uh, it seems that almost every day, like in the news, right, we're, we're seeing people uh, suffer consequences for words that they say, right? Like our words can consume us. Sometimes those these are things the person said years ago, decades ago, or maybe the person's not even alive um, anymore, and, and they're they're being held accountable for their words. Our words can bring life, but they can also destroy others and ourselves. Now, as I've hinted at, my words are something I've kind of struggled with since I learned to speak, right? Um, If it's the right time to say something or whether something even just needs to be said at all is not usually clear to me. Um, And sometimes it costs me. Sometimes my words consume me. Uh, I'm sure we all have stories about something we said that was foolish and we paid a price for. Um, one that sticks out to me in my life is one that every time my dad came and visit a week or two ago, and every time we're around, we tell like the same stories. And this is kind of one of them that I just remember from when I was a kid. Um, I was about nine years old, and we had piled into the family van to go to the Colorado River on a vacation. And after like five hours of sitting still, kind of like vibrating in the back seat, just kind of freaking out, wasn't good at sitting still, that might surprise you, but also had this bad habit of just like saying whatever came into my brain. Like, you know, we call it no filter nowadays. Like, he has no filter. It's like, yeah, I didn't even like real, like I'm hearing it when I'm saying it, I'm hearing it like someone else said it. And then I'm like, did I say, you know, and anyway, before I even knew what I was saying, I was saying it. So we get there and we get checked into the hotel and I'm kind of excited, you know, leaping up the stairs and everything. And we get into our room and I, I see the remote to the TV and I'm like, let me hit this remote, turn it on. And as the screen starts to come on, um, the image starts to become clear and it's an, an image of an older lady, an old lady. And before I even like know what's happening again, I hear these words come out of my mouth. I'm like, who's this old geezer? It was like a buzzword I was saying at the time. And who's this old geezer? Now, like normally this maybe would have just been ignored by my parents. Wouldn't be something I would even remember. I'm sure I said a lot of stuff like that. But it matters, unfortunately, for me who that woman was. Uh, It was Mother Teresa. So, like, the woman who dedicated her life to serving people, right, the sick and the poor and the slums of Calcutta, is now just being, like, dissed by a nine-year-old across, on the other side of the world. Like, I never saw my parents go from, like, Lutheran to, like, devout Catholic so fast. Like, they were, they were so offended. 
It was weird. Like, I remember being confused. Like, are we, like, are we Catholics? Like, this is, you guys are really upset about me saying this. I'm still a little confused about it, actually. But it was messed up, right? So my, it was quickly decided by my parents, like, okay, you know, Zach and Haley, my brother and sister, and, and mom are going to go find food, what I wanted to do. And I was going to stay back in the hotel room with my dad and, and be on punishment and stand in the corner. So I'm standing in the corner, um, just kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, oh, like, how did this happen? Like, I was just like hanging out, having fun. And now I'm like in the corner, like everybody's upset with me. They're like super, you know, offended. And uh, I'm kind of standing there after a little while. Like I real, I like, I'm like, man, it's been a while. Like I'm not normally in timeout for this long. And I turn around and my dad is asleep on the bed. <laughs> and I... I tell the, that part of the story because, like, I wouldn't remember this probably if that didn't. It was like a sovereignty thing. Like, we talk about it because I, like, I give him heck. Is that, can I say that up here? Okay, Brent says it's cool. I give him heck for falling asleep while I'm on timeout. It felt like hours. It was probably like 15 minutes. I don't know. But, I, like, I remember the lesson well. It was one of the first times where I, where I, like, really got the message. Like, you can't just say whatever you want. It was like, oh, okay. It took me years to, like, get a little bit better at it. But... Proverbs 29.20 says this, Do you see someone who speaks too soon? There's more help for a fool than for him. Which, like, if you know your wisdom literature, like, a fool isn't like... That's like, the fool is the person you don't want to be. So saying, like, someone who speaks too soon is, like, down here. Like, that's... We should listen to that. Um, Verses like that make me feel like a punching bag, right? This week, reading um, this section of Ecclesiastes, has been, like, getting put through the ringer because... I'm getting better with this, um, with my words, but I still struggle, right? People around me, um, I spend a lot of time with the pastors. They've, they've told me, like, no, you're doing, you're getting better, you know? Good job. Um, I remember a couple years ago when I met you, you were a mess, and now you're less of a mess. Uh, but it's a slow road, right? And if you struggle with your words, um, if you find that your words are getting you into trouble, here's a tip straight out of the Bible. Just say less, Right? Like, just don't say as much. That's been my trick, and it's been working pretty well. Um, <laughs> I don't normally quote from the Message Bible. I don't even know if we're allowed to do that. And he says, no, I don't. Uh, I'm doing it. It's Proverbs 21:23. It says, watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. So if you struggle with your words like I do, just spend a season, right? Spend some time trying to hold your tongue. Uh, because once you speak, you can't really take those words back, right? Once, once words are said, they're out there. And if, if we think this is true in person, where a couple people might hear it, um, how much more true is this when we interact online, right? That's why I'm not on Facebook <laughs> or Nextdoor. I've heard about what goes down. All right. I once heard an example of someone taking like a, a down feather pillow uh, up on top of the Empire State Building and cutting it open and just shaking all the feathers out, right? And the feathers just kind of float away. And it's like that's, whether you realize it or not, like that's what it's like when we speak, right? We're not able to get our words back. Words that are said are out there. Um, and we should, we should be more careful with them. It's a, it's a one-way trip, so let's, let's be wise with our words, and we're given an example of this in verse 20. We're going to kind of jump ahead. Don't worry, we'll come back. We're not allowed to just skip like six verses at this church. I'll, I'll be back. 
Um, okay, verse 20. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. And I think the message here is to be wise about what we say about those in authority, right? Be careful even what you think. Now, they might hear, the, the ruler or the rich might hear about it and punish you for it. And I think this is kind of a hard one for us today um, as Americans, as it seems like many of us have kind of like a part-time job in criticizing the government. Um, I know I have. But uh, we, we have little fear of the government because we're protected by the First Amendment, and we kind of use that freedom to sometimes say kind of whatever we want without really thinking about it. Um, I mean, just driving around town, right, I can, on bumper stickers, I can read people's thoughts about the governor in a way I can't repeat from up here, right? Um, in Lapine last week, someone was like, amen. No, they did. That's not true. Um, okay, in Solomon's day, words about the king had consequences, right? If the king heard you were talking trash about him, like, that's probably it for you. Um, a wise person would be careful what they said or even what they thought about the king. Now, we don't live in that fear, um, but perhaps we should consider carefully what we say about the authorities that God has placed over us. Um, our words may have consequences. And I think in our, in our society, um, where we don't fear the king, maybe the consequences come in a different form. Uh, maybe it comes in harming our witness. Perhaps the way we share our thoughts about our leaders um, might close down an opportunity to tell people the truth about Jesus because they've just kind of heard us you know, rant about the government. Um, sometimes we're building walls between us and other people with, with our, all of our opinions. It's not just, you know, not just about the government, but really about anything. You know, someone's a fan of a different sports team. Sometimes if we rant to that level, you know, and it's, we kind of create this us and them thing, um, it, can, it can harm our witness. I think we should be a little more careful about that. I know I should be. Um, there's been times where, I, yeah, I got into a conversation with a new person about something. Maybe it's the government or whatever. That's everybody's favorite topic, it seems like. But, you know, we get into a conversation about that, and then it's like I'm kind of like almost like embarrassed to tell them about the Lord because I've kind of like... <laughs> put my stake in the ground on this other issue and it's like man i don't i don't know if i should represent christ you know in this situation are my words gracious um when speaking to people i disagree with or people um are speaking to or about people i disagree with i think it's something for us to consider um today as we think about wise words Let's continue in verse 13 here. It says, The beginning of the words of his mouth are foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. Now, fool's words often go from bad to worse, right? Maybe it starts with something kind of silly or kind of dumb, um, but over time it descends into sin and wickedness. It says here, evil madness. Now, this description of evil madness contains both like morally wrong things that are said evil, um, but also just how kind of insane sometimes we can get with our speech. It moves from harmless claims and opinions to downright evil and unhinged craziness. I'm sure we've kind of witnessed this, and maybe you can think of someone else who does this. Um, it's always kind of easier for us to see it in other people, but sometimes it'll begin with like a bold statement or, or a little white lie um, about something we don't even know about. 
speculation, sooner or later it can, just, it can spiral into destructive evil, um, tearing people apart. And we've seen this, right? Like a fool, sometimes, yeah, I'll start with a small, a small lie, and if accepted, moves on to bigger and kind of bolder claims. But just what are these claims? Like what do fools talk about? The preacher's going to tell us here. He continues by saying in verse 14, A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. So one of the marks of a fool is that they are always talking, right? They multiply words, but aren't listening, right? Always wanting to be heard, but never wanting to learn from others. They have many opinions about others, but little awareness about themselves. In Proverbs 10:19, it says, where there are many words, sin is unavoidable. Again, just say less. It helps. But the one who controls his lips is wise. Another mark of the fool is that they are experts in the future, even though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will come after. A fool wanders into God's territory and speculates on things that only God knows. Kind of remember James 4, where it warns us about this, where it says this, Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. You're a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. I bet he's read Ecclesiastes. Safe bet. The future belongs to God, right? Fools spend all their time boasting about future successes and accomplishments at the expense of their current responsibilities here and now. Let's continue in verse 15 where it says, The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Now, if this is connected with previous Proverbs, which I believe it is, the toil here is the constant babbling of the fool. They exhaust themselves with their many words and delusions, and they're exhausted because they don't know the way to the city, um, which is just an excellent ancient way of saying they don't know how to land the plane. Right In ancient times, there was a common phrase, it's as plain as the road to the city, which was wide and obvious. Right, It was well-traveled, and everyone needed to know where it was so they could get to where they're going. So they tire themselves out trying to share their foolish ideas while being unable to get to the point. Now, the preacher is going to shift topics here, and before we do, um, let's sum this up, uh, the preacher's counsel on words. After um, At the end of the service last week, David got up and s- summed up the sermon like this. Watch your mouth, and if you can't, shut your mouth. And I thought, that's pretty good. Let me just add that in the middle. Um, thanks, David. That sums it up pretty much. Now, Paul in his letter to Ephesians echoes what we're reading today where he says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, right? Talk that destroys and corrupts others and yourself. But only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 
Now, like I said, I'm still learning this. Um, sometimes during Table Talk, which is a weekly YouTube series the pastors do, I'll be sitting there kind of smirking to myself um, because I've thought of something that I think is really funny. And it, my first instinct is like, this really needs to be said right now. Um, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out whether this needs to be said, this thing that just like popped into my head, or not. And usually the answer is no, right? <laughs> Nine times out of ten or 99 out of 100, it's like, this doesn't need to be said. But I'm kind of sitting there like giggling to myself. And what's unfortunate for Brent is he's the one who can see me face to face because of the way we sit. Like David can't really see me, Chad can't. But I'll look at Brent and he'll be sharing some deep, meaningful, like theological point, And I'll just be kind of like smiling at him. And he used to ask me, like, what are you smiling about? But then I was like, I'll tell you later. And after, I'm like, here's what I was laughing about. And they're like, good job for not saying that, because that, that did not need to be said. So, like, I'm getting better, right? And I, I want to be better. Like, we should want to be better with our words, right? I want God to work a change in my heart that changes what comes out of my mouth. You know, God's given me new life through his son, and I want to share that with others, right? I want, I want the words that I use to build others up and to give them life. I want my words to work for God and be useful for pointing others to a Savior who's done so much for me. All right, let's move on kind of to our next topic here in verse 16. We'll go 16 through 18. It says, Woe to you, O land! When your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. So it's what it's saying here is not good for for the people, right, the people of the nation, if their ruler is a child. Now, the word here for child isn't just limited to age, but also maturity. When the one who is in position, in the position of king, is unable or unwilling to, to do what they're supposed to do, to do their job, the people suffer. When they use their position to indulge their desires and enrich themselves, the country falls apart. In the Old Testament, we see that Israel's prosperity is often tied to how closely their king is walking with God, how he's leading the people. Not in how perfect they are at keeping the law, um, but how tight their relationship with God is. David, right, the biblical picture of a good king, sinned in many ways, but was described as God as a man after his own heart. A good king is a blessing to the people. The country is blessed when its rulers get up early to improve the lives of the people and to protect them. And in a world where many leaders neglect their responsibilities and instead serve themselves or the interests of the few, we can't help but be reminded of what a perfect king we have in Christ. Right In verse 17 it says, Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility. And a commentary I read this week pointed out that Christ is the son of nobility twice over. Right, first he's the son of David, right? So he's born into the king's bloodline. So Christ, fully human, was the son of the king. And second, Christ is the very son of God from all eternity. So Christ, fully God, is also son of our Father in heaven. 
He's the perfect king that Israel longed for, that Israel needed. The one promised to God's people who would rule forever. Scripture tells us he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we have a perfect king in Christ. He fulfilled the will of the Father by giving his own life as a ransom for us. Now, another important point to notice here is that it isn't feasting or wine that are condemned in these verses, right? The situation was that the princes were getting up early to basically get drunk and party rather than doing what they were supposed to do for the kingdom. But God made wine and food, right? But instead, what matters is the timing, the amount, and the reason for the feast. There's a right way and a right time to enjoy God's gifts. And some can even enjoy alcohol. Verse 17 says that the land is blessed when the princes feast at the proper time and for strength, not for drunkenness, which is condemned throughout the scriptures. When the leaders neglect this counsel and instead serve themselves, the roof sinks in and the house leaks I mean, it's hard to work right after a feast, right? No one schedules building a shed right after Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and it's tough to get anything good accomplished when you're drunk. Make a lifestyle out of this, and soon enough, everything falls apart, right? The truth is that we too, like these leaders, struggle at times to enjoy God's gifts rightly. Food and wine are for strength and enjoyment, but must be used responsibly and at the proper time. The preacher continues this thought in verse 19, um, where he says, Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Now, this proverb is interesting. It builds, um, each line builds on the one before it. So, bread is bread, which is needed every day, right? So, it's a, our daily bread. Uh, wine, which helps us to enjoy our lives. It says here it gladdens life. And then money, which can buy both and kind of whatever else we want, whatever else the world has to offer. Um, The truth is, under the sun, like money can solve many problems we face. It says here money answers everything. Um, I think about times in my life where I didn't have a lot of money and my car broke down, right? It's like that that is kind of a gnarly experience. Right. Um, When you don't have the money to fix the car, it can kind of send you spiraling into debt and um, just difficulty and hard times. But if you have the money, like it's a very different experience. Right. It's it's an inconvenience um, rather than something that can set you back and destroy your life. Money answers everything, it says. Now, this can easily lead us to trusting in money or thinking that we are secure when we have a lot of it. But this, of course, is an illusion. Thinking that money buys everything we need is a common mistake for us, but it's a trap. There are things that money cannot buy. But money can buy bread. We know, however, that man does not live on bread alone. Who said that? Do you know who said it first? That was a trick question. It's Moses. All right. Just trying to make everybody feel bad and never answer a question in a sermon. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I just read Deuteronomy, so I'm all excited about it. Uh, 
Moses and Jesus. Everybody's right. Okay. In Deuteronomy, we have this sermon from Moses to Israel before they enter the promised land. Um, He reminds them of everything God had done for them. And he tells them that God humbled them, causing them to hunger and then feeding them with manna to teach them that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is something we need to learn, right? As beings that we're not only physical, but spiritual. We do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. All right, so what's the... What's the takeaway for us today from this section in Ecclesiastes? How do we understand these two topics as followers of Jesus? I think Paul helps us with this in Colossians 3, right? I actually read it during the invocation this morning where it says this, whatever you do in word or deed, that means whenever we speak, whenever we eat, whenever we drink, whatever we do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through Him. When we speak, we want to share the words of life with others. We remember the scene in John 6 where many people stopped following Jesus, right? Because His teaching was too difficult. And He turns to His disciples and says, Are you going to leave as well? And what did they say? I was going to see if anyone would answer loudly again after I scared you away after the last one. Yeah, to, to, to no one will answer. Okay, to whom, to whom, Lord? This is ESV. To whom, Lord, shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life, right? Like I, I love that. It's like where, where else could we possibly go? You have the most important thing. We need the words of eternal life. What a blessing it is for us as those who have received the words of eternal life from Jesus, right? The good news, the words of eternal life is good news, right? It's good news of a God who loved us so much that he sent his only son to die so that we could have new life through faith in him. He took our sins, he took our careless words, our hurtful words. He took the time we, times we overindulged in his gifts and the things the world has to offer without without thinking of the one who created everything. And he nailed him to the cross where Jesus' blood was poured out on our behalf. The cross where Jesus, knowing that all things had been fulfilled, the scriptures tell us, cried out maybe the most life-changing words ever spoken when he said, it is finished. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us the words of eternal life. Help us to make the most of every opportunity we have to share those words with others, words that can actually bring life through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. Help us to share that message with those around us at every opportunity, and help us to be wise with our words um, as we talk with others, the people who are close to us, our families, our friends, but also... um, people we don't know as well, strangers or people we're talking to online. Help us, help us to be wise with that. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.